for people who are going through it or are suffering or are struggling or whatever it might be, once you get through it, because we get through it. Life is the highs and it is the lows. When you look back on your life and you do connect those dots, don't you often find yourself going, oh, that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. And you can connect that these are all just part of our evolving and our growth and our expansion. We have the answers in us, I believe. It's when are we ready to listen? I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst. And today's guest is Kat Sadler. Kat is a three-time Emmy-winning journalist with 20 years on-air experience. She is well-known for her work on E! Entertainment, where she spent more than a decade contributing to E! News, E! News Weekend, Daily Pop, Live from E! and a myriad of network specials. She's also been a fixture on the red carpet, covering high-caliber events and interviewing celebrities during awards season. Today's conversation is going to go into a completely different direction as we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking to Kat about her personal life and get into subjects such as healing, parenting, relationships, spirituality, personal growth, and more. So help me in welcoming the incredibly wise Kat Sadler to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Kat, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to be here, Doug. Thank you for having me. Of course, I'm super excited to to dive into your journey, dive into your healing process and everything that you're doing now. I'm kind of nervous because I was just reading earlier today that you don't like blind dates and you don't like Zoom calls. So we'll see how this interview goes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wait, did I say I didn't like Zoom calls? Uh, yeah. And maybe this was like before COVID. It was like, I think you were writing a list of things that either made you happy or self-discovery things, maybe at the end of 2020. And I was like, I got to crack a joke about that at the beginning of our interview. Ah, that's funny. Well, here's the key. I love conversation. So maybe I was at my limit with my Zoom calls. And it's probably just that I miss human connection, like in the flesh. I think that's probably more of what I was talking about. But no, don't be nervous. And I do still not like blind dates, but this is fun. I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm not worried. I feel safe with you. Cool, cool. Well, I was only kidding. I was like, I got to figure out a cool icebreaker with you. There's so many parts of your story and everything you have going on that we're going to dive into. I think one of the things that is a good icebreaker for us or a good place for us to start is you talked about in this super vulnerable blog post on like the midlife Mm -hmm. about some of the questions that you have asked yourself over the years are like, am I enough? Have I Mm -hmm. done enough? Am I ever going to be enough? Like all these things that we all ask ourselves, but sometimes we're afraid to admit that we do. So my Mm -hmm. question is, Like, where are you at with that? Do you still ask yourself those questions in present day? And how does it compare to maybe a couple of years ago when you left the entertainment space? Mm, Where am I at with that? It's interesting because I was just having this conversation today. I'm speaking to you as we're having this conversation in the middle of nature. I'm out in the mountains. I'm very removed from the very fast lane of of my typical life, right? Most of us are are busy and we have a lot that we're juggling and we're doing. And yes, it's professional stuff and it's the personal stuff. And I think think I've definitely gotten better at just accepting myself where I am today. Like I'm, I I know goals are important. Dreams are important. Formulas for success. All that is wonderful, but I have gotten very good at just being grounded and really accepting myself where I am in any given moment. And that has come from a lot of practice just with my yoga and my meditation and my healing. But at the end of the day, I try to just be here now. And so I think when you're in that space, we're all a little more compassionate on ourselves. So we're not saying, oh, I didn't achieve this or I didn't check off all of that. And you're not comparing yourself to others and you're not trying to run some race in your life where you have to be at the front of the race and competing and competing with others, competing with ourselves. So 
I'm really coming to you today as just I, a probably happier than I've ever been because I'm, I'm just cutting myself some slack. You know, it's just like I've done so much work, which by the way, comes through or is on the other side of suffering, which was also why I try to tell everybody like there really are these gifts when you're going through it in life, because if you choose wisely, then, you know, there are so many takeaways from that. And my takeaway has just been really being good in my skin, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and you brought up some really good points and I think you're right. Like suffering does have to come before growth. I mean, in mm-hmm. when you're going through it, it's super unfortunate because you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get through this or I haven't gotten through anything hard, but you tend to forget because you're so caught up in the weeds and you can't really see what's in front of you and your faith's really tested and you're just overwhelmed with fear. Mm-hmm. You forget how many times you've gotten through hard times in your life. And right. I know you've had your fair share of challenges. I know you've been divorced twice. You had your exit from the entertainment industry. And then you had another breakup that was pretty public. And this has been like a big stage of growth for you. So what was it about this time that made you realize like, I really need to start doing some of this inner work Mm -hmm. so I can truly be happy with who I am. Honestly, the level of pain. Mm -hmm. It's, I, it's like, okay, you didn't learn it this time. And maybe you didn't learn it that time. So this time we're going to sit your ass down and you're going to be paralyzed by this. And it's going to really suck. It was the level of pain that I finally just, and by the way, the pandemic didn't hurt to be really honest. Like I was allowed the space to feel. And Mm -hmm. again, we don't often have that opportunity or, or prioritize that in our lives. And so because I was able to slow down with some of my work projects and because I was going through a breakup and it was, it was this like perfect time of all the right things colliding where I could go, okay, what is the lesson here? And to answer your question, it was like, for me, it was like, I am breaking the cycle. It got to that point. And that was actually an epiphany when I was on my mat in the middle of hot yoga and my instructor, I do do private. So it is nice. Cause he's, he's a bit like my spiritual guru actually. And he brings out a lot in me because often we have to force ourselves to just literally for me, it's going to the mat for everyone listening. It can be anything, whatever kind of time you carve out for yourself to really get quiet and really get in touch with yourself. But after sharing with him enough, he said something about, well, you're breaking that cycle. And something just went off in my head where it's like, yeah, not only is it, am I breaking my own cycle with my romantic relationships and the way I behave and the way that I choose and the things I had done, but there's also generational cycles you want to break. You know, my mom, God love her. She's here with me now, she's been married five times, right? So some of this is generational stuff that you don't even realize is kind of being passed down to you. And so I actually, now I'm in this kind of mindset where it's like, this is an opportunity because I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to screw up my kids to the point where then they're doing this. And then they're, because I know it's that whole Maya Angelou quote, you know, when you know better, do better. It's now I actually think I know, I, I get it. I'm understanding I'm understanding it. I'm able to make sense of it now. And that's been through a lot of soul searching and that's been through therapy and it's been through being honest with myself. Again, I think it always comes back to, we have the answers in us. I believe it's when are we ready to listen? Right. Right. And there's so many people that go through what you've gone through and what I've gone through and like virtually like everybody who's been through hard times, whether it's in unhealthy relationships or just difficult situations with their job and what have you, that the challenges them, right. To really look, take a look in the mirror and say, okay, like, are you done? Like, have you had enough pain yet? Right. Like, have you had enough pain? And I think people tend to make decisions and change when like the severity of their discomfort in their current situation becomes bigger than the fear of making that change where people are like, all right, I finally had enough. You talked about like breaking this cycle. And I think in order to, to break a cycle, you have to become aware of what that cycle is and how you got there. So through all of this self-discovery work that you've done on yourself in the last few years, what do you think it came down to as far as like why you continue to make some of these decisions specifically in relationships that you did? Well, 
I'm sure there's actually almost, and I think this is the right term, like a physiological component that we don't even realize that physically, you know, we hear all this about, we store trauma in our bodies and things like that, which I do think is true, but there's almost an addiction, you know, to the wrong thing. If it's what, you know, right. Because this is what we grow up with, or this is what we're exposed to. And so if we start choosing a certain way and are in these set ways and repeating these patterns over and over and over again, it's really hard to identify that because it is just kind of what you think it is. That's what you know. That's how you behave. And so I had to really, there's a lot of unlearning and there's a lot of undoing that goes along with the self-discovery because I mean, you hear it all the time with people that maybe choose poorly or have a life filled of drama or devastation, right. Or, or sickness or whatever, like the negative energies are out there. I think there are these not to sound too woo woo, but like there really is a frequency you can be on. And then it it does snowball. You hear We all have friends like that or people we know that's like, it's like calamity all the time. And it's, it, it, it's, it's real. I think it's very, very real. So once you start to unlearn, or once I began to understand my past and my choices, and also again, giving myself some grace, it's like half of it's owning your part in it. And the other part is giving yourself some grace that it's not your fault either. And understanding that, you know, we all are kind of born into a certain set of circumstances, but it's what you do with that. So for me, it was I can't operate the way I once did now that I know, because now I have the tools and now, now it's different. I feel very free now. Yeah, no, you're, you're so spot on. And I think you're right. Like a lot of this isn't our fault because like, we're just, we're wired for connection. We're wired for love. And sometimes depending on the level of pain and trauma we've been through, we we look for love in all the wrong places, right? Whether Uh it's in social media, whether it's, in toxic friendships, whether it's in romantic relationships that aren't suited for us or professions or whatever it is. But there's a lot of people that just stays trapped in the cycle over and over and over again. And they have the, they're just overwhelmed with, with fear and uncertainty. And I know you've kind of, in a way, gotten pretty good, I would say, at walking away from things, especially in the last couple of years that don't serve you for mm-hmm. both personally and professionally. So do you have any advice for somebody that, that's maybe in something that's not serving them, whether it's personally, or professionally, some like initial steps they could take to divorce themselves from that situation. Yeah. And you are so right. Sometimes for me, a lot of that had to do with not knowing what real love looks like because you think that's love because you just go back to what you know. And, and yeah, it is interesting that you point that out because I've have I have the ability to stand up and I, I get there in the end, but for me, it's not overnight. So for people listening, I mean, I would say that too, like, it's okay if, if you know, you need to leave whatever it is, a, a job or the wrong partner or whatever, and it is not easy. And I don't want to pretend that it is so, but at the end of the day, I think we all have to get intimately familiar with this, like the compass we all have with inside of us, which is that gut feeling and is that instinct. And it, for me, it's like, go to that quiet place again. And it sounds so simple, but I knew the situation to give you an example at E I knew in my bones, I had to go. So a lot of people said, you know, yeah, how'd you do that? Or what are the steps you would take? But it's just like, if you know, you know, and then you, you, choose in alignment with what you know. And so, but you have to be honest and listen to that. And my advice to people that are are listening to us is you already know, you don't need us to tell you to do it. Right. It's like, if it feels bad, if it, if the tension, if you're feeling lots of tension, if you're feeling sick about it or whatever it is, like, then you have to act on that to be, to be loyal to your being and yourself and what you deserve Going about it is always the more difficult part because I always say, you know, for work stuff, it's like you come up with a really good exit strategy and then you have to 
once you've engineered that, then you go down the list till, till you're gone. And same thing with, you know, if women, I know a lot of your listeners are women, you know, a lot of women are in relationships that they shouldn't be in, but it's not easy, right? There's, there's finances involved. There's children involved. There's a lot of layers. It's not as easy as, well, I'm just going to leave. And I, I so understand that, but I would be working every day on the things you can control to make it so you can leave. I mean, I did a little of that with my job when I left E. I did have a digital business on the side already. And I did put time and energy on nights and weekends into, you know, at the time it was just a blog or, you know, I did do some social media things, creative projects that a lot of on-air people weren't doing, but I had this kind of side interest and side passion and I love photography and I'm a creative person. So it started to click for me when I was like, if I walk away from a TV job five days a week, you know, obviously you don't just leave a job with no plan. So I had done enough work and grown enough in outside of my, my typical nine to five job that allowed me it gave me some security outside of my job at ease. So I would encourage people to do that again, whether it's personally or professionally, have a plan and and work that plan until you can go. I so believe too, that just like exercise, you work the physical muscles. I think you have to work these non-physical muscles too, these emotional and mental and spiritual muscles. And the more you work that overcoming fear muscle or the courage muscle or the faith muscle, the bigger it gets like throughout your life and it becomes not easy, but it becomes easier because you have built up confidence in your confidence bank to know that like things are going to be okay. They might yeah. be challenging at first. They might be hard. They might suck, but they're going to be okay. And I know one of like a pivotal moment for you in the last few years was running, like was running your third half marathon. I, I read that you were you almost like broke down emotionally, not because of the physical pain that you were in, that you overcame this thing that was so hard for you that you were just just so joyful that you were able to complete it. So how did that moment in your life and other fitness endeavors that you've conquered, how has that really helped you to be able to face some of the challenges that you face today? I love that question because you're you're so right. Exercise and movement, physical movement, it is all connected. Like you said, it's the mind, body, spirit. And if all of those are in tip-top shape, man, we're invincible. And it takes all of that to come together for all of our ourselves to be, you know, to be our, the, an athlete in life. You know, it's not just, just about competing in a half marathon, but yes, that for me meant a whole lot more than just the 13.1 miles. I really was like hitting my 12th mile and it wasn't the best time to break down because I could barely breathe at the time, but I did, I started almost like. I was started to cry. It just felt so, so good because, and that's one of the reasons I love running is because it, it is not easy for me. It's actually hard for me. And so that is a wonderful sense of accomplishment. I just also completed like a 21 days of hot yoga, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but that is hard for me. I think for any, all of us, 21 days of anything, you know, which really turns out to about two hour commitment every single day when you're not in the mood or when you don't have the energy or when something bad happened over here, you know, in this part of your life, there's something about commitment that I find very sexy. Maybe there's a connection there between the lack of commitment I've had from some of my partners in my relationships. So I just really commitment to me. It's rare these days, you know, people are flaky and people let you down and, you can't always count on others, unfortunately. So for me, exercise has become this just part of my life where number one, I commit to it. It's like, and it's, it is, there's a sense if you look at yoga and you look at running, it's, it's kind of you against yourself. So it really isn't a team sport, what I've ended up doing at this point in my life. And so I like to show up for myself in that way. And so beyond all of the physical, wonderful physical benefits and feeling stronger and feeling more confident and feeling, you know, my moods lifted and all that. It is just a, it's the confidence that comes from knowing that consistency and discipline and showing up for yourself really makes you like yourself. We're stuck with ourselves our whole lives. You want to like yourself. So for me, exercise, the choice of, of moving every day makes me feel really good. I think there's something to be said for keeping the commitments 
that you make to yourself and doing the things you know you should be doing on a daily basis that help you feel better because you're showing yourself the ultimate form of self-love. Like I think intuitively deep down, we know the foods we should be eating deep down. We know the kinds of people that we should surround ourselves with. We know that we should move our bodies and go on and on with ex examples. But the challenging part comes if we actually can stick with that. And can we actually narrow the gap between what we want in life and what we do in life? And that's where I yeah. think true happiness and greatness can come. And like with that said, how has your relationship with fitness changed over the years? Like, was it any different when you were in the public eye and on TV for you know, your career or, or was it the same as it is now? It wasn't remotely the same. And that's, that's the funny part. I mean, I was really bad to myself at the height of my career. When I was very visible and, you know, on TV every day around the world, I didn't take care of my body. I was on, I was running on fumes. I was, you know, cracked out on caffeine all day long, every day, having energy drinks in the morning, the, the, the ones that aren't bad for you or aren't good for you. And I also had two children that were much younger than, so I was either full throttle at work working, or I was full throttle mom. And I don't think it clicked to me then that had I carved out space to exercise, I would have been a better mother and I would have been a better employee but I didn't have a lot of gas left in my tank during those years. So again, another, another benefit at this stage of my life, another gift is that now working for myself and having my own company and, and, and doing what I do, I, I know that I am just so fortunate to be able to put exercise as a really important component of my everyday. And it is definitely it's helped my relationship with myself. It's helped the relationship with my kids. And I love modeling that for them. I mean, my sons, even though, you know, they're like yoga, really mom, I forced them to go with me on mother's day recently, but my son, you know, I like that they see there she goes again, she's working out and they now very much do the same thing. You know, they have their weights, they have their thing. They're both athletic, but I think it's very healthy for our kids to see us taking care of ourselves because hopefully they, they will model that. And that's something that they will do throughout their lives too. Yeah. It's like, what's the old saying? Like monkey see monkey do like, it's yeah. like actions speak louder than words. And you're so right. And I guess I want to go deeper into your healing journey. Cause I, I had some questions around this. So when you left E, I don't want to talk about the situation itself. I want to talk about like the reinvention of cat and what that looked like. Did mm. you find yourself having to like seek attention in other places because you were so used to having the spotlight on you like every day when you're on TV? Like, how did you begin to recreate your identity after that happened? It's so funny you say that. It was actually quite the opposite. The first mm. year, it was like coming down for me, Doug. Like, I was like so. I think any performers or anybody in the public eye, or I compare it to like people on Broadway, like being on all the time. Yes, it might be our greatest gift and it, it can serve us in so many ways. And it's such a privilege to have a voice and a platform and all of that is wonderful. I mean, I saw the world with my job. I've covered Olympics and I'm at royal weddings and I'm, I wouldn't have traded any of that for anything. But being on TV every day for me for 20 plus years when I walked away, it was like, it was the biggest exhale of my life. Mm. Really? I mean, yeah. so I wasn't void of attention. It's funny because my agents asked me the same thing when I said, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk. They're like, are you really going to walk? Because there are so many egos in this town, especially in Hollywood. And of course, people that would love to have a job, but they're like, are you going to be okay not being on TV? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I really mean that. Like, I'm past that, I guess. And so for me, it was coming down. It was nurturing the relationships that I'd probably neglected. It was coming back to myself. Mm. And that's how it felt for me then. The rebuild professionally is, is different. And there are certain pressures associated with that, of course. And the onus is on me now. I, I'm booking interviews for my podcast. I don't have a big network behind me to get names, to get the people I want. I am you know, over here bootstrapping this all by myself with my name and my name only. So there are definitely challenges involved in this kind of new reinvention, like you called it. But I'm loving it. It's challenging. But as far as 
attention goes, of course, I'm like anybody else. Like you don't want to disappear and you don't, you know, there is a certain being in the spotlight definitely has its advantages. And it's, it's like being even on Instagram. It always feels nice. Of course, if people are liking our pictures and saying nice things, of course I, I am human and, and I appreciate the connection with my community and all of that. I wouldn't want to lose that, but I think my ego's much more in check than it ever was. And I just really don't, there's a falseness to that, right? Fame. Sure. That's false. That's not real. That's not real love. It's great to, to get attention. And it's awesome to have people you don't know care about you or love your work. But I think I have a pretty good handle on that now. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. This includes Organifi green juice, which I am now using in my smoothies, either after a workout or for a great on-the-go snack. It's loaded with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. Cutting down on caffeine is a big initiative of mine as we head into the new year, and Organifi's red juice is going to help me do just that. It's basically a superfood fruit punch that gives me a jolt of energy without the caffeine, and it only has two grams of sugar. If you aren't into smoothies, don't worry. Organifi products are super easy to mix, and you can add one scoop to a glass of water. So go to www.organifi.com forward slash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Doug and use the code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show. You seem very, very wise, which I don't know if anybody else has told you that, but you're just super even keel. You seem very grounded. And I'm sure like, like all of us, like it's not always the case, but I can just tell you're a very grounded individual. And the reason I asked that question is because I've had conversations with people I had a conversation specifically with a young actress who was very popular when she was younger. And I said, like, what do you think it is? Like, why do you think so many young people in the entertainment industry, when they get out of that, or they experience like a low in their career, like, why do they commit suicide? Or why do they fall in the depths of addiction? Like, what is it? And she said something, she's like, I'm so used to, and she didn't have issues, but she was speaking from that perspective. She's like, I was so used to having the cameras on me all the time and going to this party and going to this award show and going here and, and it all being about me and all these people around me. And once that stops, it's kind of like an addiction. And it's like, where are you going to get that fixed from next? Completely. And you see that happen every day. Oh, you I see know. it happen in Hollywood. And then you see it happening now with, with, with social media. It's very sad. You know, a lot of, you know, in the news lately about especially young girls and teen girls and whatnot, it is just like this. Yes. This, it does become an addiction. And again, I'm no doctor, but there is a piece of that that is like a chemical thing. And when it's gone, you can get sick and, and you go to find it in other places and whatnot. It's very sad, but I guess I didn't fall prey to that as much to that degree. A, I, I am from the Midwest and I just was raised a certain kind of way. And it, there is a, you said I'm grounded, but I think that's just those are my people. I wasn't raised with a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't always given everything I ever wanted. You know, I, we weren't rich by any means. And so there was a real reality component to just live in a pretty real quote unquote normal life. And then having kids young ish, I had kids in my started having kids in my early twenties. Like my kids always brought it back for me because I just, they were my rock and they grounded me. And when a lot of my career, when my co-hosts or on-air colleagues, you know, were off at parties or getting manicures, I was literally, you know, still doing diapers and up nursing in the middle of the night. And, you know, all of that's pretty humbling. And so I'm just so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the balance that I had in my life and have in my life. Cause I know that has served me and I, I never got my feet too far off the ground because of that. Right. No, it's amazing that you have this immense amount of wisdom within you just based on your roots and just obviously motherhood obviously instills a lot of that in you that you're able to make some of these more like level-headed decisions that unfortunately some other people aren't. And before we recorded, we, you and I were talking about this idea of self-betrayal and how so many people, they betray themselves in relationships and they end up staying in this relationship for for so long because 
They just don't feel that they're worth enough to leave. They're just addicted to the cycle, whatever the case may be. And we talked about some of the things that you've done to kind of heal from your past patterns. What were some of the game changers personally for you that helped you rebuild yourself so that you're no longer betraying yourself anymore? Yeah. Well, I wish I had one thing that was going to be this aha moment for all of your listeners, but I think my journey of healing, it's its all the things you hear to do. And I was able to do most of them. And the therapy piece is very real. I had dabbled in therapy off and on throughout life, but probably like a lot of people, I might go a little and then I stop, or then I'd start with somebody and then that wasn't perfect. And I actually, there was a point in my life when I would go to therapy and I, I found myself lying to my therapist. Mm. I mean, if we're honest and I wasn't ready. I just, there was something I was still blocking, right. Or I was still hiding from myself and I was still not facing the truth. And because I was ready because of the level of pain and heartbreak, frankly, I finally connected with a therapist that really resonated with me. Dr. Rick, I talk about him a lot on my podcast and he was so integral in my healing because he didn't let me off the hook. And I wasn't able to lie to him. And he would call me out on my bullshit. And man, he deserved every dime I paid him because I say past tense because I'm not seeing him at the moment, but I did see him consistently, sometimes once a week, sometimes twice a week for a solid year. And the growth was really measurable. He was able with his expertise to really kind of point that out. And I definitely started to change through that. So I highly, I'm such an advocate for therapy for anyone listening and the whole, the availability and access because of telehealth. Now, I just think it's so exciting for people because you really don't even have to leave your house now to, to seek the help that you need. So that really, I'm very passionate about that. The yoga piece for me was really, really big. Again, I'm, I feel very fortunate because my instructor really is not just leading yoga. He's really, we connect and talk and heal. And so that was definitely a piece too. And just probably for my body physically again, like the sweating, cause this is hot yoga, you know, just sweating and purging and releasing, you know, it, for me, it was all part of the letting go of the old self really. And then the other speaking of commitment and consistency and discipline, like I write a lot. I, I do write a gratitude journal and it's, it's not like, Ooh, five things real quick before bed. It's, it's like, I have, I fill up a page like most days I don't do it every day, but I, I try to do it consistently as much as I can. And then I have another journal that's, it's kind of like, it's more of like a diary. It's not like deep, but it's kind of like my pep talk to myself every day. I don't know if you ever do that or if people listening do that. It's kind of like, it's almost like my affirmations to self every day. So whereas gratitude is just kind of acknowledging the things in my life that I'm so fortunate to have, it's just the other one is more of like, here's what we're doing. It's kind of like a pep talk to myself. And if you believe in, I had, I had an astro, a psychological astrologist tell me once that I should write to my spiritual guides because a lot of people pray, right? And this is in our heads, or maybe we're, we think what we, we want, or we think or ask for answers or guidance or all these things. But I was told if you also write them down, it shows to the, I am sounding really crazy right now, but if you write them down, it's like one more level of commitment and your spiritual guides take you more seriously and therefore are more likely to take you on the path you are seeking. Does that make sense? For sure. Yeah. We get deep on the show. We've had spiritual gurus on the show before. Okay. Well, it sounds a little, little, I'm cuckoo and everybody has different beliefs, but I'm like, Hey, if that's one more thing that might work to my advantage, let's do it. And so I just love doing that. And if at the very least, it's just putting out that energy once again, every day, that's almost kind of like my form of meditation. I don't really formally meditate, but my yoga has a component of that. And like, even today I was out riding horses this morning with my mom and and we were just talking, right? We're taking in this lake and we're taking in these gorgeous views and we're taking in the mountains. And I, I just asked our guide, I just said, maybe we should just all stop talking. For me, that's meditation. Like, let's just take five. Let's just take five and let's smell this, what's around us. And let's listen to the birds chirping and let's just feel the wind on our face. And I know that again, sounds 
crazy, but it's not, it's not, it's being, it's that all of that and doing that consistently adds to the groundedness that you say that I have, like it grounds me. I think it's helpful for people to do that because you get out of your head and you are in the moment and those moments will pass you by if you don't do that every now and again. Yeah. You're, you're so, there's so much there. And I think I heard something I was in church. I'm Christian. I go to a denominational church and somebody was talking about something very similar. They're like, when you, when you're having these conversations with God, like write down the conversation Hmm. and journal that down. Something very similar to what you just said, because now like you're putting something on paper and it's becoming part of your journal and you're able to go back and look at some of these conversations that you've, you've had. And a lot of times I think what probably would happen is certain thoughts that you had decisions that you should have made like a year ago, you'll go back and say, huh, like so-and-so was right about that. Or I knew I should have done this because you wrote it down. Because a lot of times, like you said, if you don't write things down, they just come in your mind and then you let them go. And then you forget about it. Right. And they sometimes don't re like resurface until like something is going on in your life that you need to make a decision on that thought, like right now. Yeah. You could connect it better because you can go back and access everything as it's happening. And that's another thing I talk about too, that that is new to me is that for people who are going through it or are suffering or are struggling or whatever it might be, once you get through it, because we, we get through it, you know, everybody, life is the highs and it is the lows. It, we, it has to be the lows or we wouldn't even appreciate the highs. So, but when you're, when you look back on your life and you do connect those dots, don't you often find yourself going, Oh, that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. And you can connect that these are all just part of our evolving and our growth and our expansion. And that's why if you can kind of plug into that a little bit, as you are going through life, you're less panicked about the hard times because the bad weather doesn't floor you as much as it once did, because you can you can go, okay, well, this is what's going on. Let me just feel this. Let me just, instead of going around it, maybe we go through it and then there might be a nice little gift on the other side of that. Yeah. Finding the silver lining in adversity is is so important. And if we can do it in the midst of it, I think it'll help mitigate a lot of the pain through that. If we're able to get quiet, practice some of these rituals that you just described, and really like focus on some of the positive things or the growth that can come out of the situation, I think it'll help us get through that more optimistically because you're like, oh, like this is actually part of this is happening for me. Instead of just looking at it in a literal way and saying, oh my gosh, like my life sucks and everything around me is horrible. And then you don't really see the blessing until like maybe years later or months later. And you're like, man, I wish I would have thought about it this way when I was going through that. And with that said, like you've gone, we've all gone through a lot in life and we've, we've all had our own setbacks. Like what would you say has been the setback as you look back, that's become your biggest blessing. You're looking back and you're like, wow, like I am so glad I dodged that bullet and the level of growth that came from that has been life-changing. I don't know if it's a single bullet or one, like something that I dodged, but I definitely, there was an unlock for me that my childhood and multiple stepdads and the turbulence of my upbringing without question has made me who I am today and has allowed me to do the job that I do. Interviewing people conversations with people, connecting with people and telling their stories. I just know that the adversity that I struggled with and the the kind of constant change and the exposure to lots of different worlds through all my mom's marriages, frankly, like I, I learned to adapt really well. My mom jokes, like you float and deal really well. And I know that as hard as that was, and maybe painful sometimes and unstable and sometimes sad as that was, I just know that has shaped me into a person who is able to do the job that I do to then connect with other people going through it. Like, thank God it wasn't such a little fairy tale. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have much to add to the conversation. Do you know what I mean? So 
I think I was, I, I am where I am. And I was supposed to go through a lot of that discomfort and, and whatnot. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say either that I had a terrible childhood. I'm just saying people who have had divorced parents and step parents and have siblings. And, and, you know, it was pretty, I, I say, I should write a book. It's, it, there's a lot to it. We'd be here all day if I told you all the stories, but it's easy for people like us to look at other people and go, wow, my friend so-and-so has lived like her parents are still together and she still has the same bedroom she had when she was like 14 and can go there now and, and everything's still saved on the walls. And, you know, it's like, it looks so idyllic, you know, from afar. And I've sometimes craved that. And sometimes in many ways I've wanted to create that for my own kids. Cause that's not what I had, but that wasn't my life. That wasn't meant to be my life. That wasn't my journey. And this is, and so we're just trying to do the best with, with this one unique life. It's like what you said earlier. It's, it's not happening to me. It's happening for me and using that. Yeah. And it's a really hard concept to grasp onto. I think for a lot of people that are in the thick of it, but I, what I can promise people is this is once you're able to adapt it in the slightest, like as you move forward through hard times and you can get grounded and get quiet and do a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today, like you'll start to really believe that. And something similar happened to me. You talked about your childhood. I was listening. I was caught up in a lot of resentment in my childhood. And I was watching a Tony Robbins talk. And he said something like, if you're going to blame people in the life for all the bad, you better blame them for the good too. Mm -hmm. And that shifted things for me because a lot of my childhood like taught me what I don't want or who, and it taught me like, okay, like this is what I don't want. This is how I don't want to treat my wife. This is how I don't want to treat my kids. So I don't want to treat my friends. And when I learned to understand that it shifted myself out of this victim mindset of like how bad my childhood was mm -hmm. to like, wow, like, yeah, I went through some hard times, but it's made me who I am today. I wouldn't have the love and compassion and empathy as a, as a man that I have today, if it wasn't for my childhood. Yeah, that's huge. And it's, and good for you because not everyone is adept to that or, or recognizes that or chooses that way. Speaking of patterns, you know, a lot of people who are raised in a certain kind of household, that's where the cycle happens. That's where the patterns repeat themselves over and over again. So yeah, there is an opportunity and some people choose to take advantage and some people unfortunately don't, but I'm glad you see it that way. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, it took some some time and I, I share that because I was in that cycle for so long of holding on to this burden of resentment and lack mm -hmm. of forgiveness for certain people in my life yeah. that it wasn't changing the past at all. Like I couldn't go back in time. We all wish we could go back in time and, and change the way things happen. And unfortunately, we can't. All we can do is decide that we're going to be different and move in a way that aligns with the person that we want to be in our future. So I have two more questions for you. This one's going to be kind of interesting. And, and the reason I say it this way is there was an interview I saw you do. I'm not going to name names, but the interview, let's just say went viral and it went sideways. And there's a lot of pressure. I feel like on reporters, on journalists, when they're live and they're, in, they're conducting an interview that they have to maintain their composure when things go good, when things go bad, like they have to maintain some sense of normalcy. And there's all, there's everyday people that get into arguments with people every single day about stuff, especially today. Right. And have a hard time coming to some common ground and maintaining themselves emotionally to be able to have a productive conversation for the relationship to evolve. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause we're not always going to agree on stuff. And I think that would be boring if, if we did. So in your career and your experience as a seasoned reporter, like what is what are some of your best practices for when a conversation or something goes sideways to be able to not respond out of emotion but to to maintain some sense of grounding during that time? It's a really good question because you do want dialogue is good, right? And it yeah. isn't always going to be pretty. I mean, I have been, I suppose you're pointing out one conversation that did go viral and I would do it all over again by the way and it was I could say so much about what I've thought reflecting on that interview. Most 
I think things have changed because just to be fully transparent, most of my career was very controlled interviews. Now you're very produced. It's all to tape. There wasn't a lot of room for it to go sideways, really. And even now in the podcast space, it sure is a beautiful day. That's the name of my podcast. I I never have guests that are going to try to battle with me, right? Like, or, or like take me down. So I don't come in into those experiences very often. Yes, they exist all the time, as you mentioned on social media, and there's always people that are ready to troll or say mean things or whatever. But best practice would be, you know, first of all, to to go with your instincts. I mean, and control is a beautiful, a beautiful muscle to exercise. So you can't control what your guest is going to say or what other people are going to do. So even when it, it might be a heightened situation or emotional situation or something you're very, very passionate about. I think the people that are heard the most and that may make the most impact are the people that are, that manage their control. They're just controlled in their argument. And so you might not be able to do that for somebody else, but you can certainly do that yourself. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like being able to control like your side of the street is so Mm -hmm. important Mm -hmm. and knowing that you can't, control what how somebody else is going to respond but you can control like your level of consciousness and how you choose to respond in a situation and hopefully you're able to keep your composure so that you walk away from that conversation and being like yeah like i pray for that like i pray for that person or i'm like wow they must be going through it like if they're responding that way right that is so so true and by the way i'll say his name jim carrey the interview i did with jim carrey it was actually exhilarating because as a journalist, you do want a dance, right? Like yeah. it's fun to have a dance. Like it's, that was the highlight of my year. It's one of the highlights of my career because he challenged me and there's only so much you can prepare for when you're preparing for an interview. If you're a good journalist, you know, you do your homework, you prepare, you, you come to the table with as much as you can, but I, I said it was like a dancing with him and it's like, and it was so cool. And he, yes, was very, he was in a totally different headspace and speaking about things totally different than, than what we were there to talk about. But now I'm just going to say this one last thing on that interview. And I, I haven't said this before because I changed my opinion. Actually, I used to say, which I do, I love Jim Carrey. And I, I used to say my reaction was a little, uh, uncomfortable because we were at a fashion week event and he wanted to talk about existentialism and like all of this stuff, right? Like let's have that conversation somewhere else. Cause that's a worthwhile conversation, but it's not a conversation you necessarily have on a red carpet in the middle of fashion week. And Kanye West is right behind you and Kim Kardashian's over there. And I used to say that wasn't the time or place for that conversation, but you know what, Doug, I changed my mind on that because I was thinking for someone like him who is out there as this evangelist, essentially for his beliefs, that's exactly where you do that because it got attention because of where it was and how it went down. Yeah. And so good on him. He's wiser than I am. And it took right. me a minute. I just recently, I was like, no, he did that there because it doesn't fit there. And that's why it got talked about. Right. Right. I love Jim Carrey. I mean, a lot of his movies I grew up watching and, you know, shared a lot of laughs watching them. But when I watched that, I was like, whoa, like, but I was impressed that you just didn't walk off because that interview was like really going in a place where I was like, wow, it just wasn't getting any better. It was getting like worse. And I was like, holy crap, like, where is this going? And that's why I asked, like, there's a lot of people that have these conversations and and the conversations get a lot worse between two people, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's two friends, because they are like not on the same page about something and it ends up exploding and somebody walks away and they're not able to right. maintain their composure. But that's also personal. And I understand right. if it's a personal situation and people lose their cool, that's a different ballgame. For me, my job was to not take any of that personally because it wasn't yeah. about me. And that's where your experience comes into play. Right. Like if I were a really green reporter, I would have like melted and yeah, I've had my tail between my legs and like hurry up and end this thing. But I enjoyed it because, because it was like a ride. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't about me really. It didn't matter. I, it just happened to be me, but I wasn't intimidated or threatened because I just knew that wasn't at all about me at that moment. Right. Right. For sure. Absolutely. So I have one last question for you and that's this. I know at the end of 2020, you kind of made this list of all the things that you learned about yourself 
as you look back in, in retrospect, mm-hmm. as we're talking today, we're nearing the end of 2021. What has been the biggest lesson, two lessons, three lessons, things you've learned about yourself in 2021 that you would add to that list? Well, it's really personal and I hope it's not boring your audience, but, but truly it's, I've learned that I can be alone. Mm. I mean, that is really it. I have cycled through romantic relationships most of my life, and I have never been as introspective. I have never had so much solitude. I, I have not isolated to an unhealthy point or anything, but I have come back to self. That's I have learned that being alone doesn't have to be lonely. Right. Mm. And it's a real awakening. And that happens through, you talked a little bit earlier about choices and every day and commitments and stuff. I think we stand in our power when our choices repeatedly are in our favor for living our best lives. So all those little choices we all have every day, like you said, it could be better. Oh, am I going to have a, a really bad cheeseburger from a drive-through or am I going to come over here and have beet juice? I mean, I'm (laughs) not giving the two best examples, but all those choices add up. And for me, that had to do with being alone. I had to choose to not engage in text with the wrong guys. I had to choose to see red flags and I had to choose to not go back to my drug of choice, my ex-boyfriend. And so being alone is a reward now. And it's taught me a lot about myself through those choices repeatedly. And that's been my year. Embracing being alone. I love how you said that because in my experience, and I don't know if you can relate to this, you feel more alone spending time with people you know you shouldn't be around than you ever will, like consciously and intentionally taking time to be by yourself. That is so true. That is so well said. That is so true. And what you're describing, I think we've all been there and, but don't know how to like really see it like that, but you're right. That I felt far more lonely in a relationship than I do now unattached. Yeah. Well, this combo has been amazing. I think people are going to get a lot out of how authentic you are, how real you are, and just how open you, you share about your life. So if people want to connect with you and listen to your podcast and that sort of thing. Where's the best place to do that? Thank you. Thanks for saying all of that. You're so kind. And you ask wonderful questions. This kind of conversation we're having here, lots of them like this on my podcast, which comes out every Tuesday. It's a weekly show called it sure is a beautiful day and follow me on Instagram. That seems to be my other real place of choice where a lot of shares and a lot of exchanges there. It's I am Kat Sadler. Awesome. Well, I will make sure to put the links to all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I'd like you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Kat said about her healing journey. Maybe it was something that she said about her own self-discovery and what she's learned about herself. Maybe it was something that she just said about embracing being alone. Whatever it was, tag Kat, tag myself, because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we'll see you next time.